Welcome, 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 everybody. Happy Women's History Month. It's Women's History Month. It is the month of celebrating women. Women's History Month is the best. Welcome, actually, to the Breakline Arena. I had the amazing opportunity to sit down with some incredible alums to gather their stories and to get to the heart of what this Breakline community of absolute kick-ass women really do and have the opportunity to celebrate them. In these Women History Month episodes, our alums brought their lights. They are uplifting, they are inspiring, and will leave you knowing that there's other people out there blazing trails and inviting you to join them too. So without further ado, let's head on over to the arena to hear from our alums in celebration of Women's History Month. What is up, everybody? I'm Sophia. I am a talent recruiter here at Breakline, and I could not be more excited because we are sharing this Women's History Month with one of our very favorite alums. We are here with Haley. Haley, will you please introduce yourself for everybody? Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Yay. I'm Haley. I currently work at Google. I'm the chief of staff for the VP of product sales and activation in the global business organization. And I did Breakline in July of 2019 in the first DC cohort. Ooh. Yes. As some of you may know, before this pandemic, Breakline was actually in person. So our team got to work with Haley in DC. And Haley, we would just not be doing ourselves a service if we didn't dig into your background. So let's do like a deeper dive into who you are, if that's okay. So will you tell us where you're from, you know, where you've been, where you're going? Give us the whole spiel. Sure. So I'm from Grapevine, Texas. It's a suburb outside of Dallas. I have an amazing family, extremely loving and supportive. However, my mom was an alcoholic, so she actually wasn't around very much. And I have the fortune to have the world's best dad. So he is actually who raised me, my two sisters, my brother. And coincidentally, as my hero. He was also my inspiration mm-hmm. for ultimately going to the Air Force Academy. After the Academy, I was in the Air Force for about seven years. So behavioral scientist and information operations officer. I worked on things like cognitive psychology and training, um, misinformation, operations security, those types of work yes. both in Ohio, Germany, and then at the Pentagon. And then ultimately wow. made the decision to get out of the military, started my journey towards what civilian life would look like, found Breakline, which is one of the the best things to ever happen to me, and then ultimately landed at Google, which I am grateful for every single day. I'm in the the very fortunate position of loving my job and my team, and uh, it's a, a really great place to be. Oh my gosh, I love that. I love to hear that you are happy where you're at. That just warms my breakline heart. Um, and so you you were kicking things off by telling us a little bit about your dad. Do you have like a mug for him that says world's greatest dad? <laughs> you know, like, he's probably going to listen to this and be like, why don't I have this mug? <laughs> <laughs> Tell him that it's coming in the mail. We are ordering it. <laughs> yes, Tom Wilson, a mug is coming your way. Um, but so... 
you know, Haley, as we were kind of having conversations gearing up to this, you were telling me a little bit about some of the lessons that your dad instilled in you as a little girl. And I I would love to kind of launch into those. Some of them were pretty funny stories just about how your dad raised you and your family. Yeah, there are so many. And I, I think you and I joked about this before, but I said, if anyone needs a lesson on to how to be a girl dad, have my dad on this podcast. <laughs> yes, can, hashtag girl dad. Yes, amazing. <laughs> and it, and he did really awesome things that were fundamental to how I grew up to include, we traveled a lot, he's, he's an airline pilot and really wanted to make sure that we understood that Grapevine, Texas is a really small part of the world, which is foundational to everything that I've done and everything that I care about. So that was a big part to like other small things like he always made us order our own food or stand in the line and ask for what we wanted um, or talk about the things that we wanted, the things that we felt. All of those things are really crucial, I think, to yeah. being a well-rounded human. And then particularly as a woman, it's like some sometimes you can see when people don't have that as their foundation, but I did. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And one of the main lessons that I, this is the funny story that you and I talked about. I don't know if it's the best lesson that he ever taught me because again, there are so many, but it is the one that has stuck with me the longest. Yeah. Um, and so what it was, I was in the fifth grade. I was selected to be the broadcast anchor for our morning announcement yes. in my elementary uh, school. Um, it big was accomplishment. A, you know, that was my prime. Everything has mm-hmm. been downhill since then. <laughs> but you got to peak somewhere. You are going back to your broadcasting roots here on this podcast. I love it, Haley. That was oh. that was your first initiation. Full circle. This is a dream come true. Mm, love it. So I was so excited that I got chosen for this. I did a lot of preparation and working through what are the morning announcements? How do we set up the cameras? Because uh, it was live, it was on, on screen, and it would be showing to everybody. So in the middle of our first broadcast, my co-anchor stumbled over his words or made a, he did something like that. And instead of just taking it in stride and continuing, I started laughing. I maybe like smacked him, um, started like being all jokey, and really, really just was goofing off. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, when we wrapped, I was like, oh, my God, I was hilarious. I crushed this. <laughs> I nailed and, it. Yes, I did so good. I'm the funniest person in school. <laughs> and both, I remember, my dad and my teacher were both deadpanned, like, very disappointed in me, <laughs> which I didn't understand because, again, yeah. I was like, I crushed it. And I remember the lesson was, like, you don't have to make yourself stupid in order for people to like you. Like, you need to take this more seriously. This is really important. We're trusting you with this. Don't dumb yourself down. Yes. And, like, it. it first of all, I cried, um, as of anybody course. would, <laughs> I think, or I tell myself. So I cried, <laughs> but it stuck with me so much. And I think that as I'm reading about different narratives that women tell themselves – Sometimes there, there seems to be this dichotomy between like you can be competent or you can be liked. You can be competent yes. or you can be nice. No, that's not true. You can be both and you should be both and you are competent and you are smart. And so show up that way. Um, and I think, again, my dad teaching me that when I was really little 
set the tone for how I show up even to this day. I can be really confident yeah. and smart and show up with a smile on my face and bring energy and bring optimism. So it's not an either or. Yes. Oh my gosh. And it's, I love that your dad instilled that lesson in you so early on that it's, it's not cute to be stupid. And another aspect of that, I think is that the, the people who are actually valuable and worth having in your life will recognize that they are going to pick up on the fact that you don't sacrifice any part of your gifts in order to be better liked. Um, and that's of course something that, that women struggle with in the workplace all the time. Yeah. 100%. And you're not going to, not everybody is going to like you all the time. That's across the board. But that doesn't mean you have to like lessen yourself or minimize. Yes. Oh my gosh. Most definitely. I love that. And I really want to meet your dad. (laughs) Everyone should. He's fantastic. Um, Haley, last time we spoke, you were reading a little book. Do you want to talk about it? You were reading How Women Rise, were you not? Uh, Yes. So... Um, I am actually currently still reading it, so nice. please take my book review as an in progress. Perfect. Um, give us give however, us some spark notes. Yes. So it's How Women Rise by Sally Helgenson and Marshall Goldsmith. And essentially what the two authors do is they break down 12 habits that hold women leaders back. So a couple of examples, reluctance to claim or talk about their achievements, failing to enlist and leverage allies from day one. The perfectionist trap, which I have definitely fallen into many times. Um, A couple that stuck out a lot to me was one, women tend to overvalue expertise. And by this, Mm. like the, the, I guess the takeaway was trying to master every detail of your job is a really great way to keep the job that you have, but Mm -hmm. not necessarily to get you to the next level. Mm. On the other hand... Your male, male counterparts are more likely to try to do their job well enough, but also take more time to focus on building relationships and visibility that they need to get themselves to the next level. And that, mm. it stuck out to me because I have had several moments where I thought, oh, I need to read up on this more before I engage. I need mm-hmm. to make sure that I've done all of the reading before I talk to this person because I want them to know that I've done my homework and that I am on the same level as them. And I think there's something to be said about being prepared for sure, Mm -hmm. but you really cripple yourself if you focus on expertise constantly instead of engaging with those, with the relationships, like the relationships are more important than what you know. Yeah. And so especially now I'm in the chief of staff role and I'm kind of forced to get really comfortable with the fact that, In many instances, I will know the least about the topic that we are talking about, but I know a little bit about a lot of things. So my role then becomes to be a connector rather than the person who knows deep nitty gritty about any specific topic. And that's a strength in and of itself. It's just not talked about as much. Yeah. And so did you, when you started to move into this role, did you have sort of a moment where you made a conscious shift from saying to yourself, I want to walk into every meeting knowing more than everyone else? Or was it you saw what your counterparts were doing and just sort of fell into this track of, I can't be an expert in everything, but I know that I can add value in a lot of little ways? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And I think that it's it's changed a little bit. So when I was first transitioning from 
the military, I was very much in the mindset of what the military is. Of like, I can learn anything. So please give me a job. Let me jump in. Let me learn really fast. Just being really eager. Right. I'll dive in. I'll learn it. I'll figure it out. That's really important too. But I found that I wasn't happy personally with diving deep into one specific area. Because for me, I like variety. The intellectual stimulation that comes with connecting different ideas or learning about different things. Um, The like connector of all master of none is much more my speed. It's like a shiny object syndrome kind of job. But it took a while for me to realize, one, that that was more suited to my strengths and that in that it was a strength in of itself and I didn't need to be the expert in everything to be really, really good at connecting those different topics as well as building relationships with the people who were the experts in those places. Yes, yes. And I bet that having that trait and being able to be almost so like intellectually malleable allows you to foster really close relationships with a bunch of different people, which probably makes you even better at your job because not only are you appealing to their curiosities, but you're kind of just, you're allowing yourself and them the chance to expand. And especially when it comes to, you know, gaining expertise in a lot of different categories and then allowing yourself to pursue those as they come along. Yeah, definitely. Uh. So another another aspect of this book that you mentioned is how women can fall into this perfectionist trap. And can you share a little bit about maybe why that resonated with you and how you have maybe used the tools that, that you're gaining from these insights about perfectionism and how you're applying them to your own life? Yeah, I think perfectionism is one of those things. Like I've been a re- recovering perfectionist my whole life. <laughs> recovering Um, perfectionist (laughs) like yeah like it won't go away and I it's so interesting too like I look back to like high school Haley and I always had this attitude of like oh I don't care I don't care I'm super cool relaxed very chill and then like midnight before a project was due like my anxiety would go through the roof and I would stay up all night doing my homework and like making sure it was done perfectly yes so like like that hasn't gone away. I do the same things now as I did then, but now I try to be more cognizant of when 80% is good enough. Um, And I think that that's a really hard thing to do both for women, but for a lot of high achievers in general, like when you want to put your best foot forward, when you want to show up well for your team, when you want to make a good impression or really just the desire to drive great results and great outcomes, like those things are normal. If I'm looking at all of my priorities in the grand scheme of things, what matters the most? And am I leaving room for those? So like there will always be the times where, you know, you do have to put in the work and hustle and you're maybe working 14 hour days. But -hmm. I think that there's also the time to say, yeah, this is a, this is a presentation. This is not saving people's lives. So I put in great work. It's fantastic. It's 80% for my standards, but 110% for a lot of other standards. Yes. So like, let's do it. And then I'm going to take care of myself so that I can do the same thing tomorrow. And one thing that really resonated with me is like, obviously we talk about self-care. It's also connected to the book also calls it the disease to please, which is essentially because women do tend to care more about relationships we'll also put in more work because somebody else asked us to. 
we talk about the importance of having boundaries and keeping Mm -hmm. them. And then the follow on is the only person, the only people that will be upset with you for creating boundaries and sticking to them are the ones who have benefited from you having no boundaries. Yes, who have yes, who have been capitalizing on that. Right. Like they mm-hmm. wouldn't do the same thing for you. So take care of yourself. And I also I will acknowledge that this is easier said than done. And it's like a day to day effort to focus on it because there's nothing wrong with trying to be helpful. But setting those boundaries will also be important for you as you're developing your credibility, as you're maintaining your own mental health and happiness in your role so that you can keep doing it as opposed to burning out two months in. Oh my gosh, most definitely. And this reminds me of just exactly what we were talking about before. I mean, there's so much interplay between trying to be a master of something, which means you're going to be putting in a million hours because you want to be as good as you can, not only to prove to yourself as a high achiever, as a recovering perfectionist, but because you want other people to view you as competent. I just love that you say that. And I've seen this play out in so many ways. And Annette Rivas actually came to speak with Breakline and she's fantastic. And she basically um, was saying how when she was at Google, she never missed any of her children's soccer games. She 100% attended all of them, which in the type of leadership position that she had, you would think would have been impossible, but she set her boundaries so early. And when people asked her, you know, how did, how did you do that? Her very simple and direct answer was, I told people I was going to the games and then I went to the games. And in the meantime, she completed her job. She rose above. She honestly kicked ass. And then when the day was done, she went to the soccer games. It's as easy as that. And for some reason, we we sometimes complicate it by trying to be, you know, the superhero. Yeah. And it's so important to have people in leadership positions who do that and lead by example, where you can think, all right, you can't use the excuse anymore of like, well, other people can do it, but I'm too busy. Boundaries and well-being are not reserved for people who aren't busy. They're reserved for everybody. And so some of the onus is on you to carve out that time and stick to it, which is hard. And I'm not claiming to be an expert in this by any means, but it's something that I strive for. Definitely. Okay, Haley, let's pivot away from this book. But now I am also ordering myself this book. Yeah, excited about that. It's called How Women Rise. Everyone go pick up your copy. I also Um, did not write it, nor am I getting any like royalties for it. This is not sponsored. (laughs) No, this is not sponsored. We're just chit chatting about the book. No one come for us, please. (laughs) Okay, I want to pivot a little because you know, it's Women's History Month. So let's talk gender divides. Woo! (laughs) So I was reading up a little bit and I found a study, but it was from 2014. So a little outdated, Um, but it was saying only 29% of the positions held within the tech industry are held by women. And so I want to talk about this because, you know, in the last couple of years, last couple of months, we have been having these conversations of how we address this diversity gap and tech has sort of been on the forefront of being really vocally supportive. But unfortunately, that hasn't translated in terms of leadership positions and pay equity in a ton of these opportunities. And I want to ask how you've seen this play out. Um, And if you have, how do you navigate it? How can we do better? Yeah, I think it's a really important question. I think we're getting to the point where education and understanding remains important, but it's time to start moving the needle. 
Um, and yes. it's frustrating in a lot of ways that we haven't come further than we are. So I guess just to answer your question very directly, I'm fairly new to the tech industry. So personally, I haven't felt the ramifications of the gender divide. And I happen to be at a really amazing company that talks about mm-hmm. it, that has women leaders that are really impressive and inspirational. And yeah. like we have mentor systems, we have career development workshops, like we have a lot of resources, which it's a very fortunate position to be in. Yes. However, I acknowledge that this reality exists for a lot of people and that it's painful, especially when you're looking up and you say, oh, there's nobody here that looks like me. It's almost like you can physically see the glass ceilings and say, oh, like there's one, there's one, there's one. Especially when you look at the numbers by by jobs. So like Mm -hmm. engineering, as an example, has much smaller proportion of women compared to men when maybe HR or sales is a little bit more equitable. And so I think the first part is identifying where those areas are um, and then doing something about it. And I will say, so my experience with the military is where I definitely felt it um, and saw it. And so the military is 14% women, which is even less as you start going up and up the ranks. And particularly at the Pentagon, I felt or I saw I had moments where I was looking up and I was like, wow, nobody here looks like me. I'm I'm in a Mm -hmm. room. I'm by far the youngest but I'm the only mm-hmm. woman, I'm the only not pilot. How do I become successful here? Yeah. And and I have to say, like when I was thinking about, do I stay in the military or am I gonna transition out? That was definitely part of the calculus of, mm. it, it's a risk. I can stay yeah. in and try to shatter these glass ceilings. It's felt in a really visceral way, even in a community which I love the military. I'm super grateful for everything that I learned, all of the experiences that I had, every single person that I worked with. Um, however, it's definitely felt like you're you're one of few. And then it can be felt in really seemingly nonchalant ways, like someone calling you sweetie instead of captain mm. or more aggressive. Hey, Blondie, no offense, but I would never follow you into combat. Like <laughs> First what? Of all, I've never Someone asked you to. said that to you? Yes. And it's it's one of those things that every time something like that happens, it's shocking. And you go yeah. like, okay, like, am I being sensitive about this? But no, it's not. Um, and interestingly enough, I've had this conversation with, with my fiance, Kevin, on several occasions. And I don't know, it's hard, it's hard to talk about with really great people. <laughs> In some ways, because in his his perspective was, well, I would never treat somebody different because they're a male or a female. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, 100%. That's baseline. And that's why I love you. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, because like we are equals and we've had conversations about we're equals in our relationship. We're equals with our careers. We're equal guardians of our dog, Bernie. <laughs> we are equal. Shout out, Bernie. We do equal chores, like all of these things, but that's baseline. The next is realizing what the experience looks like and how it is different and things like that. Or another example is um, in one job I was in, I was working for a guy with the person who was in my job previously, he would take them out for coffee and have mentoring sessions, career development conversations. 
Mm-hmm. When I was in the role, we didn't do that because of optics. Because he didn't oh. want to make it seem like he was giving me special favors or like have any opportunity for it to look like a young female that he was hanging out with, yeah. avoiding rumors, all of which makes sense. Mm-hmm. However, it did inhibit my career development and my mentorship opportunities, and it wasn't fair. And I think things like that, which are seemingly fine, like those are the things that we should be having conversations about. Um, And then just to really drive one more point home on this, the gender equity gap is baffling and frustrating. Mm -hmm. And not just gender, actually. It could be people of color. Um, It's frustrating because it's so easy to fix. Like companies know exactly what they need to do to address this issue, but it's really expensive. And so they don't. Mm. And so we make excuses of, well, if women were better negotiators, then they would have more equal pay opportunities. Or, well, they took time off to go be with their families and that's why they're not at the same level as their male counterpart. Like, that's bullshit, quite frankly. Um, And I think those are the conversations that are that need to happen. Yes. No, I mean, you touched on so many important topics. I I mean, to speak to your experiences within the military and you kind of having to hold up a mirror and saying, am I being too sensitive right now? Um, and I feel like every woman I know has had that experience. They have decided, mm, I'm just going to let it go. I'm really not going to let this affect my day, affect my career, affect the people around me. When in reality, we should stay attuned to those sensitivities because they matter because they play into the broader conversations of, you know, like I'm too scared to go get coffee with this person because of the optics of the way that people are going to perceive our relationship. When in reality, I deserve the same opportunities at professional development. It is, it's these tiny moments. And I'm really glad that you flesh that out. It's the, it's the, it's the tiny moments. 100%. I agree. And it's also the, the big moments where, there's so much fear. Okay, what is my reputation? How am I coming off? Am I being too intense? Or am mm-hmm. I being kind? Am I showing up well? Do people like me? Like all of these questions, it's like it bogs people down and it makes it so much harder to show up and do great work when you have this societal weight on your shoulders. There is so much more that you're navigating. You're not just showing up and doing your job. But you know, the great thing is that we're having these conversations. We're putting it out in the open. It sounds like you and your fiance, you're spending the time, shout out Kevin to, to, you know, be an ally in in the truest way, which is really just to listen, say, I hear you. I understand. How can I be better too? Yeah, I think exactly that. And then also pull each other up when and where Mm -hmm. we can, which is why community is so important. Um, And the people who take the time to say, okay, what am I able to do? Like, what's in my realm of control here? How can I make the situation better and taking action? Yes. Um, and I think another thing that I find really interesting from the leadership perspective of it is there's been a study and the Harvard Business Review reported on it, but basically what it finds, it examines leadership effectiveness and gender differences. Okay. And what it finds is that on 84% of the competencies, which include things like building relationships, taking initiative, championing change, driving results. In 84% of the competencies, women scored better than men. So the like generalization here is that women are seen as better leaders than men. So 
if that's true, why don't we see more of them? Yeah. Like, where is um, it? Where are we being lost in translation? Exactly. And like 5% of Fortune 500 C- CEOs are women. Like, there, there's, a, there's an issue there. Like, we can do it. We provide value. It's shown. Where's the disconnect? Uh, so, I guess to get to your next question of, so what do we do about it? I think oh, no, very... I know that's just the biggest question yeah. of all time. Oh, yeah. I'm going to solve it here today. Okay, here we go. Everyone pull out your notebooks. Haley Wilson is about to drop Listen some knowledge. Up. No, I'm totally kidding. But I think, like, obviously there's an organizational and systemic issue that needs to be addressed. And it's, mm-hmm. like, for diversity as a whole. Diversity inclusion, it's important for, for the, the people, for like building cohesive teams, but I think it's good for business. There's study after study that shows you that more diverse teams have better innovation, more creativity, mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. inclusion and engagement, mm-hmm. better profits. Yep. So let's do it. And with that, so I'll just use Google as an example again. Like one of Google's like main focus items is to build products for everyone. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Well, to do that, you have to represent... <laughs> everyone and have those different perspectives right and have the the relationships which women are badass at building relationships yes like bring some of that in and then i think with that too it's diversifying hiring panels bringing diverse perspectives in to those conversations talking about the better business outcomes that will be a result of it and then ultimately putting your money where your mouth is so you can't just have the dialogue about diversity. You have to set the numbers. You have to go out there and meet it and move the needle to drive actual change. Yes. Yes. And that, oh my gosh. I mean, we talk about all the time, not only how do we get more people from diverse talents into these organizations, but how do we retain them? How do we hold on to them? And a big yes. part of that is having champions on the inside um, and having allies. So I would I would love to talk a little bit about maybe how allyship has has affected you, whether it was in the military, it, whether it, it's been, you know, in your tech career. How can everyone maybe be a better ally? And this doesn't even have to be gender specific, of course. Let's let's talk about every intersection. Yeah. I, so I love the question. Um, Brene Brown and her in her podcast, she talked about how it's Women's History Month. We have to talk about Brene. Brene Brown. Yes, I'm so dancing. She... <laughs> yes, I love her. Her Netflix special is one of the best things I've ever uh, watched. Yes. Um, but she talks about how because of because of human nature, we want to categorize things and make things simple. But in doing that, we sometimes create the heuristic that there's the people that need help, and then there's the people that can help. Mm. That's not necessarily true. Like at any given point, you can be both. Like you can be the person that can help others pass the baton, reach down, pull them up, as well as still need help and have enough grace with yourself to be okay with that and ask for help. Um, And I think that's the beauty of allyship. Like it's not a, oh, here, let me do something amazing and be an ally for someone else. It's no, like let's support each other. We have a community. And that was one of the most beautiful parts of, of the military is it's everybody is the same, more or less. Mm-hmm. Like 
we are treated the same. We have one mission, we have one team and it's like a all for one, one for all mentality. Yeah. Excuse the three musketeers reference, but like that, <laughs> that is so like core that it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter what your background was, what your race, what your gender, what, whatever, like that doesn't matter. Like you're a part of this team and we will protect you. That should exist everywhere. That's what Breakline is so amazing at, too. Like, now you're part of this family. We protect each other. We pull each other up. We pull each other yes. over. We we um, give each other the nudge to say, like, hey, good try, but that wasn't great. Um, yeah. And I think all of those are components of allyship that are really important. It really doesn't have to be on your best day. It can be on your worst day. You can still lend a hand. You can still speak up when you see something is wrong. You can still provide um, just a little bit of support to to people who might be struggling with things that you have in the past. Or even if you don't share that lived experience, you can still sort of be that person to stand shoulder to shoulder with them. To your point, I think that there's there's something to be said about just being present and paying attention. So, yes. and, and caring for that matter of you're not expected to be perfect or to understand everything. Like there are not criteria that you have to meet in order to be a good ally, yeah. except for to be open and honest and inclusive and kind. Yes. And that's what it takes. And then you build your, your army and you can do everything, anything. Yes. But Just open, of- open your ears, open your yes. heart. Not one person, either listening to this podcast or anybody that I've ever met, not one person has done everything on their own. And mm-hmm. I just speaking for myself, I there has been so many moments in my life where somebody has reached in and carried me when I needed it. And Amen. I am forever indebted to those people. <laughs> like Yes. But they would never say that. Like they would never say, Oh, she's indebted to me. But I know it. And I hope to be that person for others, which which is and I'm again, sure you like, have been. But and I, I love Breakline because I have the opportunity in a small way to say, hey, do you want to talk about your transition into tech? Like, great, I've done it. I've got a really crazy story about how it worked. But yeah. the lesson you should hear from me is that you don't know when the opportunity is going to come your way. What you can control is how prepared you are. And the network mm-hmm. you have or like the allies that you have to help carry you when that time comes. Okay. I know we've already talked about Brene Brown and I want to talk about some badass ladies. So Haley, who inspires you most? And this does not even have to be a woman. It can be anybody. In the spirit of allyship, it can be anybody. But I want to hear who inspires you most. I think what's inspiring to me is significance and mm-hmm. That could be something on a a grand stage, or that could be having significance in someone else's life. And people that have done that for me are what inspire me most. So to go back to my dad, and he will just be floating on a cloud when he hears, but I think my dad is who inspires me most because... yes. Of These are my the snaps. way, right? <laughs> yeah, because of the way. One, like I said, like I said at the beginning, so my mom was not around. I feel like my dad could have been really absent, or honestly, hired somebody to take care of us. He was a pilot; like he had stuff going on. Yeah, he didn't. He stepped up in the most beautiful and important way, and he did everything. Yeah. Like he he cooked for us. He 
He brought us to school. He brought us on trips. He had meaningful conversations with us. He took time to take us on dates and to go to a Valentine's Day sweetheart dance. And I felt loved and supported my entire life. I also felt like I could do anything. Mm -hmm. And in times of my life where things have gone wrong or been a mess, he's the person I call and he just will listen to me cry and say, okay, get it out of your system. Like, this sucks. This sucks. Like, I'm going to sit here with you and it does. Um, But also, you're going to be okay. And Mm -hmm. you're super strong. You've got this. Like, how can I help you? And if I called him today and I said, dad, I had a bad day. Can you fly to Napa and spend tomorrow with me? He would. Like, it's wild. Oh, my God. <laughs> he would do it. And it's just, I don't know. I find that so, uh, it just, like, it, like, fills me with love and joy. I'm I getting a little so misty over here. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's inspiring. I think just being, like, how much he loves me and is willing to be there, not just for me, but for my siblings, for um for my stepmom, for her, like their that whole family, like he's yeah. he's there. Um, and then I think the last part of that too is like he's so present. So yes. when he talks with you, he's with you. Um, mm-hmm. When he flies out to spend the day with you because you need him, like he's with you. And I think that's one of the most admirable and like underestimated qualities that we can see today. It really fills you up when when you know that people are giving you their attention because they care about you. That is beautiful, and I love it. Yeah, it's funny. So when I when I did my break line interview um, back in the day, I was preparing, and one of the questions I was preparing for was, "What would somebody describe you in three words with?" Mm-hmm. And so I called my dad and like, "Hey, dad, what, how would you describe me in three words?" And he's like, "Confidence, drive." amazing (laughs) and you're like perfect thanks dad yes I'm like dad like it's like it's the hype that I needed but also like yeah yeah I have confidence because of what my dad instilled in me yeah and I do think like that drive I also have from my dad (laughs) amazing well that's up for interpretation but also it's genetic yeah like it's yeah they reflect on my life And Mm -hmm. there's been so many, like I said, there's been so many people throughout my life that have carried me at really pivotal moments, really like reached down and carried me through something that's hard or like cheered me on when things were going really well. And like, those are the things that are really inspiring for me. So that looks like my fifth grade teacher. That looks like my dad. That looks like Bethany Coates. (laughs) That looks like... Colonel Jones, Stacy D'Amico, Cassie Hidalgo, like so many amazing, incredible men and women who at some point have said, yes, I'm going to take a bet on you and have really challenged me in important ways and gotten me to where I am. And I'm so grateful. Um, and I also, it, it's inspired me to be that person for other people, um, which is another reason that I just love Breakline so much. And I remember going through my own job transition and being like thinking, wow, I cannot wait to pay this forward because the outreach that I felt in the community was so overwhelming um, in a positive way and like made me feel like I could do anything. Uh, And so 
now being in the position where people reach out and they say, hey, I want to talk to you about XYZ at Google and being able to do that, it's it's a game changer and it's fun and I love it. You know what? Sounds like maybe sometimes you get to inspire yourself to inspire others. And that's just the perfect feedback loop. And I love oh, it. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, okay. This is my my last question for you. And I want to take a little bit of time. So we've talked, obviously, about, you know, some of the challenges that women face. Um, but I also want to take time to just celebrate being a, being a lady, what you are bringing yes. to the table. So what is, other than being amazing, what is your superpower? And what are some of the ways that you inspire other women or, you know, folks from other underrepresented backgrounds to really share their superpowers? Mm. I love a good superpower question. Yeah. So, put on your cape. Yes. Um, I think my superpower is my intuition. So, and by that, I mean, I feel like I have a really cool ability to like pick up on small things and say like, okay, like my spidey senses more or less, Mm -hmm. like they're going off, they're kind of telling me this, they're telling me that. And I think that the superpower component of it, because everyone can do that. I think the superpower component of it is trusting it and having enough conviction in myself to say like that. It's something in my gut telling me that this is not right and I need to follow it. So as an example, actually back to my back to my job search days, mm-hmm. um, I had my eyes set on one particular company. I had my eyes set on one particular role. Anybody mm-hmm. who asked me, I said, I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this. It's This is, I am manifesting this doing. reality for myself. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. So I, I got the interview. I went all the way through the interview process. I got the offer. I yes. freaked out. <laughs> I freaked out. I was like, oh, my God. Like, pure panic. Very also on brand um, for me to, like, <laughs> This is you being anxious at midnight. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> make a crisis out of good news. And I was like, okay. So I spent a lot of time really trying to figure out, like, why, why is it panic in spe- instead of joy? Because I was expecting joy. Yep. And like, really, when I did the reflection, it was, there was the only way I can articulate is like, my gut was just telling me that it was not a good fit. Yeah. Nothing, nothing incredible happened. Like it wasn't something egregious or nobody treated me poorly. Nothing changed about the role or anything. Like it was it on paper, it was fantastic. But my gut was saying, this isn't it. Um, and I was asking other people for advice. Like, what do I do? And everyone said... It's a fantastic offer. It's everything you said that you What wanted. is wrong with you? Bird in the hand, your foot in the door, like all these different metaphors. Go for it. And I had to really stick to my guns and say, I don't know. Like, I just, I don't feel great about it. So let me explore that. And so what I did is I did not go get on my flight back to D.C. that night. I stayed in the Bay Area and was mm-hmm. like, okay, I have one week before I have to decide if I'm going to follow my gut and not take this offer or or if I'm just going to go for it and put my foot in the door. Yeah. And I really embraced the no shame in your networking game mentality and was like, 
Googling different networking things going on in the Bay Area. I crashed a Cal Poly alumni AI conference. No, you did not. Cal... Yes, I did not go to Cal Poly, nor do I know anything about AI, but I went <laughs> and I was just like, hi, my name is Haley. I'm in the Air Force. This is what I've done. These are the skills I have and here's what I want to do. Oh and my gosh. Like really, I, honestly, I just kind of went rogue. Um, anyways, one of the people that I met ended up liking my story, passing my resume on to a friend that they had at Google. I had a call with a recruiter the next day, told them that I had an offer from another company. I had an on-site interview the day after that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Things just started rolling, started rolling. And so I say that because one, it was incredibly lucky, but you never know when your opportunity is going to be there. Um, this oh, is the craziest can, story. Yeah, I cannot yeah. believe I haven't heard it before. Yes. So obviously I, I got the job. I'm super grateful for it. It's served me a thousand times over and I am confident that I made the right choice. But I think it all stemmed from the the intuition. And so like yes. my my message that I would like to leave, I guess, is everybody has this. Mm-hmm. Trust it. Trust yourself. When those spidey senses are going off, you're right. But explore it. See what it means. See if you can divest and then make the decision that's right for you and don't look back. It will it will always pay off. And have have the confidence just to just march yourself into a Cal Poly AI conference and say, this is me. This is my story. Who's in? No shame in your networking game. I'm telling you, exactly. that is the Work key it. to success. Yeah. But, and then, but it's honestly, and I, I don't say this to, to like gloat at the end, but it's like all the lessons that I learned in preparation came from Breakline. And I had done the work. I had done my homework. I had Absolutely. my pitch down. This is who yeah. I am. This is no, what you I've were done. prepared. This is what I want to do. Oh, you yeah. had earned that confidence. You had earned that confidence. Yeah, and lack of shame. Uh, that's and the best lack of shame. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is such an incredible story, and I'm so glad that we now get to share it with everybody. Even though I feel like we could just keep chit chatting all day long, Haley, this has been such a treat. Thank you for being a part of our community. Thank you for sharing your story with us. And any any last thoughts from you? Sophia, thank you so much for having me and thinking of me for this episode. It has been an honor. And thank you to the whole Breakline team. Thank you for taking care of me. And thank you for taking care of all of my friends. Always. Thank you, Haley. Bye. This has been so fun. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys for tuning in for another episode in the Breakline Arena celebrating Women's History Month. If you liked what you heard, please do one of three things. You can like, you can subscribe, you can follow our podcast. You also should tell your friends, tell your family, tell your mom, tell your dog, tell your mailman, tell your mailwoman, tell your mail person. And if you are interested in learning more about joining the Breakline community, please reach out to us. Our website is breakline.org or apply to one of our programs. We will see you guys next week for another episode of Breakline Arena.